0: Other incriminating evidence inside a safe box in the Liberty City Post Office, it's the RF Generation Nation podcast, Lucky 7. I'm your host, Chess. You can find me in the RFGeneration.com forums as Slacker.
1: This is Adam. You know me as Man 2 k
0: And in this episode, we're bringing you what's new on the RF Generation front page, a few gaming news tidbits.
1: Uh, We'll also have our latest game shout-out. I'll have our first sports page. And of course, we'll close out with our top five things that real sports can learn from video games.
0: New on the front page, we have Single Bananas review and history of Dark Cavern, as well as a review of the classic Tapper.
1: Noise Redux covers some Mega Man X remakes.
0: And we have the first installment this year of NES Rules Treasure Hunting Chronicles.
1: You can find these blog posts, as well as many others, on the homepage at rfgeneration.com.
0: First up in some gaming news, we have the death of Guitar Hero. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't exactly know
1: we were going to have a moment of silence there. (laughs) (laughs) It's really kind of... It's too bad, because it's... I don't know why exactly they're... I mean, they're closing down, because... They think the music the music gaming genre is done. I mean,
0: well, after trying to kill
1: it after the last couple of releases like Warriors of Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's all it is. It's it's not that the gaming fad is over just because Activation says it's over, like they apparently seem to think. It's you're not making advances like Rock Band has been doing with, you know, they had the they started with the drums, and then they started with, you know, well, better drums, better songs, and the whole Rock Band network thing. And then they added, you know, they, they're they adding and adapting and just changing the way that you can play the game. Whereas Activision, they came out with the drums after Rock Band had already come out, and then acted like it was something brand new. And it seems like they were just kind of behind the times because they, they had I kind of liked based on the set list I liked what Warriors of Rock was going to have um, for their set list a little bit better than Rock Band 3 but it may be just because I didn't know exactly what all the songs on Rock Band 3 were but Activision was just releasing the same thing over and over and when you're when you're getting just beat by a superior product, you have to do something else than just rest on what you're already doing. Make
0: Saturday morning cartoon background stories to your music, which was the innovation it seemed like they were going (laughs) with Warriors of Rock. The two uh, possible changes that greatly affect me, besides uh, having mixed feelings over this fall, because I was with guitar hero from the very beginning the very first ps2 release I, I had reserved it I played that game almost daily same story with the second one bought it again when it came out on 360 I Was like this is awesome you know who on earth is gonna pay this much for peripherals but you know everybody should play this game and then everyone did and I jumped on the the rock band bandwagon myself and uh, so I've kind of left guitar hero for a while, but it's bittersweet because I had such a a great time with the first few releases. But the two things I was getting to that this could really change is that it might kill off DJ Hero, which would be very disappointing because that really despite a similar appearance, and if you look at screenshots you might dismiss it pretty easy, but it really did do some different things with the music genre. And the second one just refined that and to kill off that uh, IP because of the fall of of Guitar Hero, um, and I understand that the DJ Hero series weren't selling it, you know, astronomically either. But uh, I really wanted to see them refine that series further out. So it's kind of just disappointing that it might kill off DJ Hero. But uh, the other factor is that, despite the uh, the troubles with harmonics lately, now the music genre is kind of an open field again. And if they get a chance to really capitalize on that that vacancy, since they had such a, a technically refined product and an excellent uh repertoire with the music industry and with their, their downloadable set lists. this is now rock band 3's chance to Shine and any other product that Harmonix brings out. I just hope that they can get the capital and the support to do it now that they're kind of on their own again uh, because they could I really believe in them, I believe they could resurrect the uh, the sales of the music game industry, which of course might jumpstart the whole process again. but still I'd hate to see uh, I'd hate to see the genre die out completely.
1: Yeah, and I'm I, again I'm disappointed with DJ Hero being cut to just because it is a new IP and, and really when you have this kind of I mean it's still to me kind of a niche genre of the music games and then you take that down even further into the DJ games. I mean, it's fun to play, but I just, you know, I I it's something you have to experience more than just being able to, you know, pick it up and go. Um But once, you know, I thought it was the goofiest thing ever. I thought Guitar Hero was the goofiest thing ever until I played it. I played it, I got hooked, bought every single one of them, except Warriors of Rock so far. (laughs) Um, But we bought um, Rock Band, I believe, on launch day. We were even on vacation. We drove down on vacation. We had the car. (laughs) We picked up the big box, (laughs) drove it home, and
0: realized you regretted getting there on a motorcycle
1: <laughs> but that kind of um, and dj here i picked up not long after it had come out and i i again thought it was the goopiest thing ever until i went up to best buy and started playing i was like i can really you know i can get into this and for for that to be killed off already it's 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 a very hard game to pick up on without experience so, you know, that's kind of the disappointments for that one. I mean, the, the other game that's now been chopped, and I'm not sure if it's the entire series or if it's just the next... It sounds like it's going to be the entire series, um, potentially. The True Crime Hong Kong has also been canceled by Activision. Um, Which was
0: really surprising how far along that game was to be completely canned. It seems to be one of those cases where... You know, after some test marketing, they just realized it wasn't likely going to hit the numbers that they expected. Because I mean, it, this this had playable code; it had all sorts of uh, of previews across news game news sites. It's kind of surprising something this far along just suddenly gets swept, swept under the rug like that.
1: Yeah, and Activision apparently was saying that they are committed to doing quality games, and that's kind of I don't know. It's kind of a strange way of putting it because. If a game, you know, to me, if a game is good enough to stick around for at least two to three sequels, and it's it's got to be selling something. It's not like it sold, you know, like the previous one sold nothing, and they're trying to just redo the whole thing, especially on a fairly recent series like True Crime. I mean, this isn't like the Tomb Raider reboot that is work being worked on.
0: <laughs> well, uh, they're even talking about not bringing back Tony Hawk uh, either. This year or perhaps again, which isn't surprising considering the absolutely dismal sales of the last two with the new peripheral uh, just completely tanking. But I think a lot of this has to do with Activision looking at rival EA's success and going, you know what, uh, just the, the, the public seems to be kind of catching on to some degree of just straight up milking the franchises. You know, the, with uh, the recent sales successes of Dead Space 2, um, which, you know, Dead space was a big deal from EA back in the day, so it was mirror's edge, which of course didn't didn't quite perform uh, up to expectations um, more ways than one. but um, I, mean, I liked it but moving on the uh, you know dead space was a, a big deal for EA because it showed that uh, here's a new IP by a team that basically approached them an internal team that said look we can make this awesome game just give us a chance give us the studio and a bit of money we'll, we'll make this happen and they did and it wasn't uh initially the huge sales success that they had hoped but it sold enough to where they took the chance on the sequel which is now uh you know selling excellent so i think that uh, activision is kind of stepping back and realizing that the public image of ea has really shifted over the last few years and uh for the longest time, especially with the whole EA Spouse debacle, they were known as like, you know, this gaming evil empire. And they've really managed to change that around a lot. And I think Activision is taking notice and realizing that they're not going to be able to continue making the profits that they used to expect uh, by by just churning out the same things like this. Mm-hmm. And I think that the sales of uh, you know the recent Tony Hawk's and, and uh, Guitar Hero represent that. So how much are you willing to pay for an NGP? Better known, and in my opinion, should be known as the PSP2.
1: Because I already have
0: a Neo Geo Pocket.
1: Well, so far, based on what I've been reading about, the NGP to me stands like not going to purchase. Burn. There is a apparently a screenshot from a GameStop, and I'm not sure if you've seen this yet or not. It shows the 3DS prices, and it also has the PSP NGP in the GameStop listing, and it's currently in their system at $299.99. Um of course this is purely speculation at some point we also you know not too long ago we also had another actually on the GameStop website showing uh, a price of 9.9999 which if they're really packing as much as they are saying they can pack in with you know PS3 power and everything then you know that could be a good price point for it but
0: but it's so pretty yeah so it-
1: is the, so is the original PSP the, the thing that really kind of has me Um, shying away from Sony handhelds at this point is the thing that really irritated me about the Go is the inability for me to in some manner take my UMD games and put them on the Go instead of having to repurchase them it's the same platform, same games but but I can't use those on the new console and that's the same kind of problem I'm having with, with this one is that From what I've heard, again, from what I've been reading, it's supposed to be backward compatible. Backward compatibility means that you can play the old games. Just because the Wii has a virtual console doesn't mean it's NES backward compatible.
0: Not unless you get Ben Heck in there.
1: I I don't see it. I mean, I think the, the Xperia Play sounds like a much better product than the NGP.
0: Well, one of the... Notable directions that Sony is going with this now is that they're trying to tell you, look, you you don't have to sacrifice uh, power for uh, on-the-go gaming. You know, they they tried to sell the PSP off of that with its horsepower, saying that look, you're you're getting practically a console experience in terms of uh, you know, graphics and and gameplay. Uh, you know, you're not hobbled down to. You know, Game Boy level graphics and a few buttons. You know, we've got this gorgeous system that plays, you know, maybe a half step to a step behind generation wise of what's out there. And now they're even going further with uh, the NGP and trying to say, look, you know, this is basically almost a PS3 in your hand. Uh, so, you know, it's definitely, you know, why wouldn't it be worth the same price as a PS3? It's a PS3 that you can take other places. But the problem I see with that mentality is that most people, if they're going to spend the, a console price, uh, they're going to buy a console. They want something set up. You know, if they if they want to play a PS3 game, they're likely going to to pick up a PS3. And the software library that they've already announced for the NGP kind of supports that mentality. That look, you know, you can play a New Resistance game on your on your uh, NGP, and it'll be equivalent to your PS3. You know, you've got Uncharted, you've got Resistance, you've got. It, it just uh, seems to back up that mentality. The problem is, like I said, most people, if they're wanting that full blown experience, they want it on a big TV. They want to show it off with their friends. You know Nintendo and I their design philosophy is is very very different they're trying to give you a completely alternate experience mm-hmm. on a portable their DS and then later now 3ds is not trying to mimic the Wii it's not even trying to mimic a 360 you know despite having more horsepower they're going with a, a you know true it's a gimmick more or less but it's it's different you know the 3ds is an experience you're not going to be able to get anywhere else mm-hmm. combining the touchscreen with the 3d controls they're not trying to mimic what you could just you know spend 50 bucks and, and play at home and so it they're not cannibalizing their own market on this they're they're splitting it into two separate things so that it's going to interest a different demographic and uh, they're stepping up the price for the portable games which I think is a little disconcerting but I think it's probably about due. I mean I remember paying forty dollars for Game Boy games. I remember Nemesis on the original Game Boy. Paid forty bucks for out of a Kmart. So you know, economically, I don't think it's too far out of out of expectations nowadays. The big competition as has been noted now is that I can buy the new Dead Space for my iPhone for seven bucks. And no, it's not in 3D, and the graphics aren't you know like uh, same levels of 3DS. But mm-hmm. man, is it impressive for a seven dollar game. And so, uh, considering they're going with the tech route. Uh, John Carmack was noted as saying that now uh, on your iPhone, you know, on your portable gaming experience, th- these dedicated consoles are in real danger because now on just a phone, you can get a gaming experience that's not much more than a generation behind. Mm-hmm. And the real competition of the NGP and the 3DS isn't really going to come from each other. It's going to come from the, you know, the the Xperia market.
1: Right. Yeah. Sony, it, it seems like they're just trying to I mean it seems like what they did with the PSP they're they're throwing they're throwing hardware to solve a to solve a problem that there's really not a problem with the with the hardware cuz you can crank out some good games without having to have extravagant graphics as has been demonstrated with the DS you can make a game that looks pretty good um, and as long as it's fun to play People are going to buy it. Now
0: the the touch screen interface, like uh, the the bottom
1: touchscreen and the ability to kind
0: of pinch things in the in game and stuff, that's something I hope that they use as more than just a gimmick. I mean, if they show real gameplay innovation uh, in that in that direction, then then you know I'll be more sold on the NGP. But uh, you know if they're going to just kind of either port or make variations of their current franchises, that's I think where they're going to start losing. You know the core audience that they're shooting for. They really need something that helps differentiate and shows you why you're playing this on a portable, you know, the portable version as opposed to just spending an extra, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe not even ten or twenty dollars to get, you know, something that you're playing on a big screen. Mm-hmm.
1: See, and that's that's the other thing that's got me worried is that the the touch screen on the PSP with the, the the front the front, NGP screen is touch screen also, right?
0: And then yeah, there's it's a, got a... then
1: there's a touch pad on the back of it, right? Yeah. Okay, that's going to be the gimmick. Yeah, that's what's going to be able to... And that, you know, the the whole multi-touch, pinch-to-zoom, all that kind of stuff, I don't see it as being a... Especially on a, a system like the NGP with the dual analogs and all the buttons and everything like that, why the need of a touchscreen on top of that? Or The touchscreen on the front, well enough. The touchscreen on the back, pure gimmick.
0: Well, it's a gimmick that has potential, though. I mean, we thought – I remember thinking that the the, uh, dual-screen idea for Nintendo was was super gimmicky and that, you know, what are you going to do with that? But they had some very innovative designs that, Mm -hmm. you know, sold me on the idea. So I'd like for them just to show me something that, you know, that's something different, something that, like, you know, again, says says, you don't get this anywhere else. You only have to – you only get this on an NGP, so – that's and what I'll be looking for
1: again. Again, just like we were talking about last time, it may come down to the first-party games just to show off what what it can do, and then oh, of course, um, you know, we'll just have to see what third-party can do after that after that happens.
0: Yep, we'll uh, we'll definitely be waiting. And Sony is suing everyone. Yeah, At least the, anyone who's ever seen, distributed, or heard of a, a master PS3 key. Yeah, the uh,
1: you know we we talked about the PS3 being fully hacked, and now. Um, George Hotz has released the keys on his website, and then he was now sued by Sony, and now Sony is threatening to basically sue uh, everybody. If you've seen the keys, if you've pushed out the keys, they're wanting IP addresses. They're wanting—I mean, I think they confiscated George Hotz's computers and everything like this. And um, so, anybody that's been posting him on Twitter, they're getting you know IPs and information from people on Twitter, just trying to sue everybody. And then uh, somebody had the brilliant idea, they uh, tweeted everyone's favorite PlayStation uh, vice president of marketing, Kevin Butler, and uh, tweeted him the keys and said, come at me. And then he said, uh, I think his, I believe his response was, what, so did you just beat me in a game of Battleship? And then he retweeted the keys.
0: He's a brilliant man.
1: Oh, it's, it was perfect because we don't want to send these keys out, but then you know this one guy sends him a message you could have ignored it but instead you send it out to kevin butler's thousands and thousands of followers that's that's a way to just you know keep it on the low down low you know
0: also by the way if you happen to know the actual name and address of fail overflow please contact sony they'd really appreciate that <laughs> i can't believe that they're having to track down you know, this mysterious hacker because they don't know the actual they can't sue him by calling him failoverflow but they don't know his real contact info.
1: Well, and in fail overflow they just released the method. So they really have no recourse, but George Hot's GeoHot is the one that actually just said to everybody, Okay guys, here's the keys and then they're like, Oh well we're gonna get you then I mean they, I mean, the fail overflow, they, I mean, they essentially just reverse engineer the whole thing and you can't really sue about that to sue about the process. It's when you just blatantly say, "Here you go, I think that's when they start to get having problems with it. Yeah, you know
0: it's it's a wonderful meta game uh, in the actual industry itself just to sit back and, and watch these big corporations and and the crazy antics between players, hackers, and developers and corporations.
1: To speak of the company lawsuits and everything, LG has filed two complaints against through the International Trade Commission against Sony over a number of patent infringements regarding the playback of Blu-ray discs on the PlayStation 3. They want a hold on, well, basically they want the PS3 to be pulled from shelves and if not, if nothing no else, no longer it's imported to America. Yes, yeah. it could be some patent bickering between companies again, but you know it's just. There's, it seems like there's always a lawsuit for something, but I just thought that was kind of interesting, too.
0: Well, it, we get the headlines of this all the time, but these these companies are either suing or getting sued constantly. Every week, every, at least a few times every week. So, you know, granted, these are interesting, and every now and then something is uh, – something does come out of it. I mean there's a reason why you only had the six axis for a little while on the PS three before the DualShock Shock three came out. Yeah. Um so yeah, sometimes stuff does come out of this, but it it's just one thing that's easy to lose track of is that this is always happening. I mean These companies are suing each other because a lot of this technology uh, rides off the back of other technology. Mm -hmm. You know, you get excited about your new product, you show it off at a CES or even behind closed doors to some investors. A week later, somebody else has a working prototype of what you just had. You know, Mm -hmm. this is just the tech industry. This is how it unfortunately (laughs) operates.
1: And and with the internet, you know, it's all just getting leaked out a little bit easier or being more widely known than it otherwise probably would have.
0: Well, this is another dark day for uh, <laughs> for gamers in terms of, of dead ends. We have Hudson US closing at the end of this month. And that's that should just be a <laughs> kind of a blow to, to a lot of us. Now granted a lot of that is going to get absorbed into Konami but
1: And, and Hudson um, Soft out of Japan is still going to continue to operate. It's just the US uh, branch of Hudson that's being shut down but they are, you know, they were responsible for the marketing and publishing of Lost in Shadow. Which I thought, you know, dis- despite a few issues, was
0: uh, it-, it just showed that Hudson has oftentimes been uh, just coming up with some crazy wild stuff. Uh, you know, they're one of those kind of unsung heroes of, uh, of random gaming innovation. Uh, I-, I remember when I first played uh, Kirby Canvas uh, Curse, and that just—that was the first game that sold me on the DS. I was like, "Wow, somebody actually took the the and uh, the stylus and actually made a gameplay idea out of it." And then just kept on expounding. It wasn't like pack picks where it just had like a gimmick and that was it. That you know the gameplay never advanced past that. You know they were showing ideas that you know of course their sequel to Squeak Squad was just a, another Kirby game. But you know it, Hudson was never afraid to throw out some random stuff out there and see what stuck. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm it, it's probably going to be a, a bit of a loss in terms of innovation getting absorbed by Konami, but you know, here's to hoping that uh, we'll still continue to see wacky stuff out of Japan.
1: I, I really don't see the day when we have a shortage of wacky things coming out of Japan. but
0: This is probably true.
1: We're going to move on now to our game shout-out for this episode. Have uh, you got one there, Jess?
0: I have been addicted to my Neo Geo lately. Uh, I've I found a couple of games online, and um, (laughs) it's it's so amazing. I've actually stayed away from emulators uh, for the Neo Geo for the longest time because I really want to experience this stuff, you know, just kind of in its original form. So granted, I've picked up a few that I'm like, man, I really should have played that first instead of spending this much on a game. But um, Thrash Rally... It was released in '91. It is a rally racing game that takes place from like a completely overhead view, like a helicopter view. Uh, it's widely criticized because the graphics really don't look like anything you couldn't do on a Super Nintendo. I mean, there's a handful of Neo Geo games that you could easily say that with, but this one really is not impressive from a graphical standpoint. It was really sur- that gameplay type was really surpassed with uh, you Neo know, Drift Out, with uh, Overtop. Uh, it, it had a couple of uh, sequels and pseudo-sequels that really took that formula and went with it, but uh, it, it has a lot of reasons why it's criticized heavily. Uh, besides the, the graphics not really being terribly impressive, it has terrible vehicle collision, as in hardly any at all between <laughs> whatever you're, whatever you're nearby. Um, and uh, there's not much to it. It only has uh, two different uh, kind of course selections. It has like a one marathon race uh, and then another one that's just kind of a few point to points So it's, there's not much to it. Uh, and yet, despite all of this, I have been crazy addicted because it is one of those classic, really fast-paced, get-in, try-to-beat-your-time-and-then-get-out kind of thing. Uh, it, it's, in a way... Kind of look at it like uh, RC Pro-Am. You know, it's got a fairly. In fact, it's even more simplistic than that. It doesn't even have weapons or anything like that. It's just a straight racing game. But you know, the whole sliding around the corners, just mastering that perfect timing to actually uh, getting from these races last you know like a minute or two a piece. But. The timing is so intense. I mean, you make one or two mistakes, you're out. But instead of being frustrating, since the courses are so short and even a little bit varied in terms of terrain as you're, you know, where you're going, you got to learn to master that. The power slide, flipping around. I mean, it's got a few different vehicles that control differently. I mean, you can even uh, on the on the longer race, you can even choose like a diesel truck. You can choose a motorcycle, sand, a dune buggy. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's just Enough variation about it to where you want to keep on getting back and playing, you know, further and further and beating your time. I've got a memory card so I can actually go back and try to beat my times, which is which is nice. It's, um, yeah, that's my game shout out for, uh, for today. And it's just strange that something that is oftentimes universally panned, yeah, I pick up and I'm like, it's just completely addicted for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I actually picked up Thrash Rally um, as just one on a list that. Is unavailable on, you know, like a compilation of Neo Geo games, or on another system, or anything like that. You know, it's just one of the probably half of the systems library titles that uh, you can't really get anywhere else. Uh, they did make a CD version, but I found the cart version for about the same price, so I went ahead and ordered that. And I, I don't regret it. I mean, it's certainly not for everybody, but it's just a bizarre little racing game that probably very few people have played.
1: Now, now, when you say the helicopter view, do you mean it's something like a, a spy hunter type of viewpoint? Exactly. Okay.
0: And the graphics aren't much better. It's pretty good animation. I mean, you even see little wildlife that you can run over, and uh, <laughs> it, it's it's not that the graphics are are terrible. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just that when you get a Neo Geo, you're expecting nowadays something like you know Samurai Showdown. You're expecting you know like the animation of real bout or something. Right. And looking at this, you're like, man, let me load up combat cars on my Super Nintendo if I want to play this. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I can't explain exactly why, but it's very addictive. It's, it's like I said, just that old-style arcade, uh, quick and easy, um, real intense, because, you know, you just make a little bit of a mistake, and you could, you could just mess up the whole race. So, yeah, I, I just had a lot of fun with that. Uh, one more I wanted to throw in there is that I did pick up a Summer Car 92 RECA repro uh, due to uh, suggestions from fellow Gen member uh, Crabmaster2000. And it is not disappointing in the least. I might have to give this, uh, he's already reviewed it on the site, and I hate to, to kind of like double post, so to speak, and do a review of it on, the, on uh, our, our podcast, but let me tell you, if you're a fan of shmups and you, know, you love the Nintendo, this is something you have to track down. You've never seen this many sprites run on your Nintendo without, you know, it's just got the occasional slowdown or flicker, very rare, it's just amazing what they're doing with the hardware. Uh, it's it's a ton of fun. You definitely gotta check uh, Summer Carnival 92 RECA. Sounds kind of like a rock fest.
1: Yeah. Well, the only thing I've been playing recently has actually been the original Legend of Zelda. I have never beaten that game. What? I I never owned it as a kid, and I've kind of had it on emulators and that kind of stuff, but I never actually sat down and set to it that I'm going to grind through it and just... Beat the game.
0: You know, and if it weren't for you going through, you know, mentioning about Earthbound and going through that recently, we might have had to have suspended you from our generation for a little while or something. <laughs> Never go through Legend of Zelda.
1: Anyway, there's a lot of games I haven't gone through. I've played a lot of games that I haven't. There's not. There's some big ones that I haven't beat. Um, but it's uh, it is very enjoyable. I'm on the seventh dungeon, I believe, right now. So I'm, I'm getting real close to the end, um, but, and I and really, the, I hadn't experienced much of the first one, um, I think I'd actually played more of Zelda 2 that a, a friend uh, that a friend had, more than I had played Zelda 1, and then I had Zelda 3 on the SNES, and I just, you know, I love that game, and I, you know, beat that one. Right away, I think I, you know I probably beat it a couple times,
0: which is pretty remarkable because it's kind of the dark horse of, of the series, anyway. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it myself, but a lot of people consider it, you know, just to kind of be the out of step with the rest of the Zelda lineage, if if we're not talking about the cursed CDI games. Zelda two, yeah, Zelda two having such a completely different perspective and uh and oh
1: no, I never, I never beat Zelda two. I, I mean, I, I meant, I'm sorry, yeah, I went through and. I, I, I did enjoy Zelda too, but I never had owned that one. I, I I don't know if I said it, but I, I was talking. I was actually talking about Linked to the Past.
0: Ah yes, now that okay okay
1: kudos and uh,
0: dignity restored. Okay.
1: <laughs> the and y- y- I really I enjoyed Zelda too, um, but Zelda three man that that game got me hooked, and uh, I you know I I love the game, and but you know it's it's a I, I'm seeing what, you know, the kind of improvements that 3 has made on the original formula, but I do like, you know, I like the going around and the, like the repeating, you know, portions where, you know, you have to walk out a certain side of the screen or just keep walking to get to that one dungeon or whatever. It's It's the kind of puzzles where it's not necessarily something that's hard to do, but it's a you know, it's just another kind of trick where, whether by limitations of the hardware or the map with, that they were trying to do with it, the the feeling of adventure is definitely there. I mean, obviously, it's not as polished as you know Zelda Three would have been, but I'm really enjoying it so far, and I'm I'm just that close to the end of it.
0: I uh, I this is like the classic debate of Final Fantasy. Four and six and seven, what you know, fan, big fans of the series will say is the best. Uh, Ocarina of Time is uh, four. <laughs> Ocarina of <laughs> Time is uh, is always considered to be the pinnacle of Zelda, but to me, it was Link to the Past. I Thank mean, I you. really, I appreciated what Ocarina of Time is. I'm not not downing that. I'll definitely pick up the the 3DS incarnation uh, just to be able to go through it. But yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, Link to the Past to me is just the pinnacle of the series. I I would love to see a return to to that perspective, actually, 3D Heroes was amazing on the PS3, just because of how much it went back and copied that design. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was just a, it, it was so wonderful to go back and revisit that style of game, uh, even with all of its frustrations. <laughs> and the game had a great sense of humor. So, mm-hmm. yeah, after our like five game shoutouts now that we, <laughs> which oh well, two two little lore stories for um, for the original Legend of Zelda that I just have to throw in there. Uh, the first is that. Uh, my beloved wife and uh, her mother never actually finished the first Legend of Zelda because when they first got their copy of the game, they thought it would be cute to name their main character Zelda. Oh no! They had the oh no! Uh, the hardest. I mean, they made it all the way. They made it like halfway through the game, and this was—they didn't have Nintendo power. They sure didn't call a hint line. This yeah. was just through sheer trial and error, and my mother-in-law's favorite phrase: "Bomb it." <laughs> they made it halfway through the game, not realizing they were on the second quest. So that yeah, is that, awesome. I know. I was amazed when I found that out. The second lower story is actually kind of just this nice little uh, descending order. Uh, when I first asked my wife out, and she said yes, I could not sleep. I was over staying at a friend's house. Um, I popped in Legend of Zelda on this little TV next to the couch. I stayed up all night, and I got up to like world. It was almost near the end. I think it was like like the seventh dungeon. By the time it was like, you know, five or six in the morning, and my friend's like, dude, go, go to sleep. <laughs> so, yeah, that's like one of my happiest gaming memories is slamming through the original Legend of Zelda <laughs> after I found out my wife said yes to dating. So right. just a cute little lore story. <laughs> Mr. Adam, I believe it's time for our first ever sports page.
1: Well, we've got just uh, a very short six months. Well... It may f- seem it it seems short, but it may feel like a very long time. But six months until preseason football is back, we can only hope. Yeah. Come on no lockout. How are we ever gonna fill the time to get our football fixed? I got it. We'll play the perennial favorite of football fans everywhere. Matt, I no, was, no, that- Tech Mobile. <laughs>
0: I was going to say I was just going to try to keep up with rally cross, cross racing by finding a channel that supports it here, but <laughs> I guess yours is just as good.
1: <laughs> Tecmo Bowl has been just a favorite since it's been released, even up to now. I mean, if you talk to any—I mean, even you know, in college or whatever, talking to people where all they play is Madden. If you bring up Tecmo Bowl, it's like, yeah, let's play some Tecmo Bowl. There was a the local. Uh, one of the local sports talk radio stations here. I don't believe they did it this year, but I know last year they definitely did. There was a, you know, they went to a bar every Monday night, and they would have uh, remotes and things like that. And one of the things that they did before the Monday night game is they would have tech Bowl tournaments on big old projectors in the bar. Nice. It's it's gone so far that people have hacked the game, or even now have. Re- written and released tools to extract data and write that new data to the game to where they have every football season they are releasing a new Tecmo, Tecmo Super Bowl um, with the latest updated rosters for the NFL including all the teams, the uniform colors, the mascots everything so it's got, you know, it's, it's a huge following and the roster updates don't cost 60 bucks burn it was the game when i was in high school
0: that united the nerd and the jock it <laughs> was the one thing they could agree on super tech mobile was something that <laughs> it, it was the uh the breakfast club variant of high school
1: I'd get <laughs> everybody at the same table and say hey we can all agree this is fun See, that's the great thing about it is that, you know, when you're you're playing Madden or really any sports game recently except for, you know, take away the the earlier Blitz uh, series and uh, any of the, you know, NBA Jam, Showtime, anything like that, anything where you have an actual sim of the sport and you have to... Know the sport backwards and forwards. Know all the plays. Know which players are good. Know which team. You know, make trades. Do franchise mode. All this stuff, and just engross yourself in the game. I mean, Tecmo Bowl. It's a pick-up and play arcade game where it's been re-released now on uh, PlayStation Network and the 360 with a with a new version. But it's the same. Yeah, even the DS cool, got a got a variant too. Right, um, but it's the same core gameplay. That's just fun to play where you can, you know, throw 115-yard passes into the corner and, like, it's, you know, no big deal. It definitely did appeal to the hardcore football fan, the hardcore sports fan, and just the regular, you know, even if they're a casual sports fan or not a sports fan at all, but they enjoy playing the game, it's, it's got just a, it's easy to pick up and play, and the appeal is just, man, it's just a fun game to play. It's uh, it's one of the those all-time classic
0: competitive games. Uh, whenever you go to, say, like a mom and pop store or even a, a modern game store that holds old-school tournaments, you've always got your same staples that they're going to play. They're they're going to compete on Mario Kart. They're going to compete on Golden They're going to compete on Smash Brothers. And you're always going to see a Tecmo Bowl tournament there. It's it's just one of those uh, enduring properties. And unfortunately, the re-releases you know, just haven't they haven't fared that well. Um, just, I mean, like you said, you've still got people hacking the original ROMs just to keep it on the original, so yeah, you know, there's just something enduring about <laughs> what people grew up with on that game. You know, I was actually at uh, a Super Bowl party at my church, and I brought my Neo Geo with me just because I wanted something random and fun, and I'd just gotten a football frenzy for the Neo Geo, and uh, watching this more modern Madden crowd look at these old-school graphics and gameplay. Uh, you know, it was just... It, it tripped people out. It was it was an interesting experiment. <laughs> uh, I'll always be a, a fan of, you know, the gameplay where instead of just, you know, managing to press the right button at the right time, uh, wiggling your joystick back and forth to try to ev- evade a tackle or something like that, you know, it just brought an intensity there uh, and a simplicity that, that I had a blast of. I had a blast going back and revisiting that. Um, actually, i we were mentioning Tecmo the The... Uh, the Tecmo compilation that they came out with on Xbox only had it, like six or seven games in it. But one of those was the arcade version yes. of the original Tecmo Bowl, which did not have all the stats and features uh, that the Nintendo one was noted for. But what it did have was four-player play of simplistic but still fun arcadey football. Uh, and to this day, I can still pop that in, you know, grab three buddies, and we can have a, just a hilarious <laughs> time playing football. Uh, yeah, so I, I got it. Kind of put an, <laughs> yet another game shout out to uh, tracking down that disc and, and playing it. it. It was it was a, a good return. All right, we're going to wrap things up with the top five things real sports could learn from video games. Number five, in between wrecks, NASCAR should just let zombies wander on the track. Number four, every sport needs a mutant league, except maybe speed chess. Number three, if Blitzball showed me anything, it's that soccer should definitely be played underwater. Science, make it happen. Number two, it's not a real football injury until an ambulance runs over somebody in the field. Thank you, Madden92. And the number one thing real sports could learn from video games? You can't tell me the addition of ninjas and sticky grenades wouldn't open up a whole new perspective on
1: golf. Well, that explosive idea wraps up another episode of the RF Generation Nation podcast. As always, if you guys have any questions, comments, queries, thoughts, or topic suggestions, be sure to post them on our forums at rfgeneration.com. You can also send us an email at podcast at rfgeneration.com. You can also chat via the website or on your favorite IRC client. We are in channel RF Generation on QuakeNet.
0: And if you just can't stand our wardrobe, give us a phone call. We're at 318-RFG-TIP-5. That is 318- 734-8475. Well, that wraps it up for us. As always, God bless and keep it on Channel 3. Uh Uh-huh. Guess what? You're not going to be on the podcast, buddy.